It's an evening of old-time radio. The Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, presents The Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. If you like good beer, you'll find it pays to be curious and learn about Schlitz for yourself. And now, the Halls of Ivy. again to Ivy, the College of Ivy, and the town of Ivy, USA. Dr. William Todd Hunter Hall, like any other college president, or almost any kind of executive, has to make certain concessions to his superior officers. For instance, he must on occasion have lunch with some of the members of the Board of Governors, when he would far prefer to spend that hour and a half playing a game of chess with his wife, Victoria, who was, until her marriage, the toast of the English musical comedy stage. With chess at the halls, it doesn't matter much who wins, but a college president must not permit himself to be checkmated too many times by his board of governors, even at a luncheon at the faculty club like this one. Enjoy your lunch, Doctor? Very much, Mr. Mer- Merriweather, very much. I've also enjoyed the opportunity to discuss these matters with the board members present and to have the... Oh, pardon me, Mr. Wellman, but that is my milk you're drinking. Oh, it is? Oh, I'm sorry, Doctor. Thoughtless of me. I thought I had ordered milk myself. You did, Clarence, and drank that, too. You also ate my strawberries. <laughs> if you uh, lunch with us often, Dr. Hall, you'll learn to keep an eye on Clarence. The man's a gastronomic kleptomaniac. Order something he likes, and he swoops down on it like a vulture. Don't be silly, Merriweather. I'm... Well, I'm simply a trifle absent-minded. So much on my mind. If there's anything disturbing you that we haven't talked about, Mr. Wellman... You know, anything I can help with, by all means, let's have it. Ah, that's the spirit, Doctor. Relieve his mind and protect your lunch. Yes. (laughs) Well, friends, what's your trouble? Weak track team this year? Or did you get snubbed by some house mother? Don't be so flippant, Merriweather. Merely because I happen to take the affairs of this college rather seriously. We all take them seriously, son. But let's take the long view. In a hundred years, after the dust of the last atom bomb has cleared away... Nothing we say here today will seem quite worth that long face of yours. My long face, as you call it, is the result of shouldering my responsibilities and keeping my nose to the grindstone. That's no grindstone, Clarence. It's my coffee. (laughs) For Pete's sake, how many things do you drink? (laughs) Let me order you some coffee of your own, Mr. Wellman. Oh, he'd hate it, Doctor. He never touches the stuff. It happened to be right in front of me. You'd have found it in a foxhole. Now, go on, Clarence. Finish Dr. Hall's ice cream and tell us your trouble. (laughs) Dr. Hall's ice cream? 
I'm sorry, Doctor. I, I didn't realize... No, no, something. no. You're, you're quite welcome to it, Mr. Wellman. Now, uh, was there something you wanted me to do? Uh, yes, Dr. Hall. It will be necessary for you to address the student body in chapel tomorrow. Oh? The Reverend Dr. Gilby is ill, you know. Oh, I hadn't heard. Nothing serious, I hope. No, I don't think so, Doctor. Just picked up a bug somewhere. By tomorrow, they'll discover a new miracle drug to cure him. By next week, they'll find the new miracle drug makes his ears fall off. You can't read <laughs> Well, I'm sincerely sorry to hear about Dr. Gilby's illness. And, of course, I'll address chapel tomorrow. Although I, uh, really, I have not much experience in clerical oratory. And now, if you gentlemen will excuse me... Oh, sure, Doctor. I, I think we're all through. Uh, this is my lunch, you know. Oh, thank you. Why don't you let me take the check for change, Marietta? All right. Waiter. Check, please. Dr. Hall's at a luncheon, Miss Lee, but I'm sure he'll be home very soon if you'd like to wait. I'm afraid I'd better not, Mrs. Hall. Thank you. My train leaves in an hour, but Dr. Hall has always been so nice to me. He's such a fine man. I thought I owed it to him to explain why I'm leaving Ivy. Leaving Ivy, Miss Lee? But I thought, well, aren't you the Margaret Lee who's up for president of the student council? Was, Mrs. Hall. The field is now open for a new candidate. One with lower marks, possibly, but a higher social standing. Perhaps one whose family is less than 4,000 years old. Oh, Mrs. Hall, my father was so proud of me. And now... No, no, please, dear, I sit down there. Why don't you cry a little and take help sometimes, you know? Tears are a sort of window-washing operation. You see things a little more clearly through the panes. I've cried myself dry, Mrs. Hall. Some of it was self-pity, I guess, and some of it was... Well, I suppose I just overrated the decency of the student body. Mm. I think it far more likely, my dear, that a few members of it have underrated you. You mustn't condemn an institution because some of its windows rattle. Dr. Hall is going to be very disturbed about this. Do you know how vicious student politics can be, Mrs. Hall? No, I'm afraid I don't, my dear. But uh, if they're anything like backstage politics, which I happen to have known intimately, they can give you a pretty rough time. I've been up against a great deal of snobbery and discrimination myself. In England, as an English woman, among English people. Yes, and here, too. In fact, four or five weeks ago, I wasn't sure that I was welcome at Ivy. Even Dr. Hall was none too certain. But your case cuts a little deeper. I realize that. You'll never know how deep, Mrs. Hall, I hope. I flattered myself that I'd been accepted, that my scholarship record and my fitness for the presidency would make up for my being an alien. But, well, the, the organized ostracism... Oh, I'm sure, Margaret, that a handful of unthinking... Don't try, Mrs. Hall. My people have always won by retreating. Maybe I'm making history... I'm retreating without winning. I guess I just didn't realize how well the Exclusion Act was enforced. I'm afraid I'm not too well equipped to cope with this, Margaret. But I'm sure you know how I feel about it. I do, Mrs. Hall. And I'm grateful. And please tell Dr. Hall how I... How I appreciate everything he's... Everything he's... <coughs>
Home is the sailor, home from the sea. Have you, my popsy, a welcome for me? Take it, matey. <laughs> Have a nice luncheon. Yes, my dear, quite pleasant. Mr. Wellman paid the check. It's nice of him. Nice of him. My dear girl, you can't dismiss an announcement of this importance with any such offhand remark. <laughs> Mr. Wellman, paying a luncheon check is as world-shaking as the discovery of the wheel. <laughs> you mean Mr. Wellman is tight, Toddy? Tight is rather a brutal way to express it, Victoria, but I find it charmingly accurate. <laughs> Mr. Wellman is extremely imminent in the sense of being close. <laughs> I... I have heard that he launders his pipe cleaners. Oh. <laughs> I suppose he got so tremendously rich throwing his money about. Uh, Vicky, darling, Mr. Wellman throwing his money about is a spectacle which Mr. Cecil J. DeMille... B. Hmm? Cecil B. DeMille, B for bathtub. Oh, yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Mr. Wellman throwing his money about is a spectacle which Mr. Cecil B. DeMille wouldn't even attempt. And I recall how generous, yes, even spontaneously generous, Mr. Wellman has been with his millions for this school, and how frugal he can be with... Vicky, hmm? what's wrong? Wrong? What do you mean? Oh, I mean, my dear, that no one can love someone as much as I love you and not be instantly aware of a shadow on that someone's face. Tell me, please. Oh, Toddy, I wish this hadn't come up. You have so many things to cope with. Now, what's the matter? Did something happen while I was out at lunch? Well, not to me, dear. In fact, it has nothing to do with me personally, except that, well, it's disturbing to see any youngster with a broken heart. Do you know a student called Margaret Lee? No, I don't think... Wait a moment. Lee? Yes, uh... A very neat and rather frail girl, quite intelligent-looking. That's the one. Well, of course I know her. Of her, rather. A fine student. Not anymore, William. She's gone home. I did my best to persuade her to stay and talk to you, but I doubt if even you... Oh, it was really very sad. Now, my dear, don't distress yourself. This is my problem now. Sit down and tell me about it. Tell me the whole story. Well, as you know, Margaret Lee came to this country for her education. She chose Ivy... Oh, this is a wicked thing, Vicky. The antithesis of everything we have tried to instill in the men and women here at Ivy. I'm sorry that I wasn't here in time to talk to the girl. Mm. I'm afraid I handled it rather badly, William. She was so depressed and discouraged that... Well, I don't know too much about this part of the job. Are campus politics always as bad as this? Oh, no, no, of course not. But I must say that I sometimes stand aghast at the utter ruthlessness of these young people. Young, of course, is the key word in that admission. They're all children, callously pulling the wings off butterflies. As far as I'm concerned, one of the chief purposes of education, the chief purpose, if you like, is to impart an understanding of the butterfly's viewpoint. Whenever I hear of a student being made the victim of prejudice, I feel that I have failed in some... Yes, Penny? Beg pardon, sir, but there was a message from the Reverend Gilby. Seems like he was took sick, sir, and wanted to know if you yes, could... Yes, I, have... I know. I, I received the message at lunch, Penny. Thank you. I've got a Bible, sir, if you'd care to borrow it. I Penny. have a Bible, Penny. Thank you. Quite welcome, sir. Any time at all. Well, it's uh, turning out to be quite a day. What was that all about? Well, Dr. Gilby, the chaplain, is ill. 
I am pinch-hitting for him, if that isn't too irreverent a word, in chapel tomorrow morning. Uh, Vicky, I don't want you to come. I feel I should be very inadequate. Oh, nonsense, Tolly. You'll do a lovely performance. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if you were held over for a second week. <laughs> um, held over, Victoria, is not very good ecclesiastical terminology. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love Dr. Gilby, and he has everybody with him from the TDM to the recessional. But you'll be wonderful, too. Did you ever hear Charles Lawton give a Bible reading? No, and I must say it sounds quite unexpected. Unexpected, but intensely interesting. And funny, too. In fact, it inspired me to do a great deal more Bible reading. Well, I'm afraid I haven't Mr. Lawton's elocutionary gifts. But if Captain Bly can do it without the congregation resorting to... Uh, mutiny, maybe... <laughs> Dr. Christian Hall can rely on the students... Uh, bounty of generosity. <laughs> I say, that was rather good, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh, yes. It was splendid. <laughs> Just go on like that and you'll wow them. <laughs> I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. Before we return to the Halls of Ivy starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman, let's listen to the story of a man who not only kept up with the Joneses, but found himself considerably ahead of them simply by doing the most natural thing in the world. Last night I told Ethel, uh, that's my wife, Ethel, you shouldn't be so self-conscious. The Joneses will just have to take us for what we are. But you know women. And Ethel, well, when we've got company coming, especially the Joneses, there's just no living with her. She's so afraid of what they might think. Gets in a regular stew about how she looks, how the house looks, what kind of jokes I'm liable to tell. You know, you probably have a wife of your own. And like your wife, Ethel usually gets herself all worked up for nothing. That's how it was last night when the Joneses came over. The minute they walked in, I could see Ethel was nervous as a cat, so... Just to break the ice, I went into the kitchen and got out the Schlitz beer. When I brought it in, Jones started to look interested right away. Said he had heard a lot about Schlitz, but never tasted it. Which was kind of a surprise, because Jones is one of those fellows who's so particular about everything. Always insists on the best, or so he says. Anyway, Jones raised his glass of Schlitz, and we both drank. First thing you know, Jones put his glass down, and with a satisfied look on his face, slapped his knee, turned to Ethel and said, Ethel, I don't know who deserves the credit, you or that husband of yours, but by George, this is the best glass of beer I've tasted in years. Well, that did it. That's all Ethel needed. You should have seen her face, just like a kid's at Christmas. As for Jones, he never even noticed. He was still busy talking. And he took the words right out of my mouth when he said, no wonder they call Schlitz the beer that made Milwaukee famous. Turn to Ivy, we find a perturbed Dr. Hall striding back and forth in the living room, as Mrs. Hall says. Toddy, stop pacing. 
break into a trot or a single foot or a gallop. Or better still, sit down here with me. Oh, I'm a little restless, Victoria. That matter of the Lee girl. You know, I went to the station to find her. I thought I might be able to persuade her to reconsider. But I was too late. I'm awfully sorry. I'm sure you could have done something. You're very persuasive, you know. Then I wired her aboard the train. But not knowing what space she was occupying, I wasn't any too... It's the telephone. I know, I hear it, but where is it? I'm going to put that extension cord on a deep-sea fishing reel with a strong spring. It's right near me somewhere. Oh, Oh, here, under the evening paper. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Hall's residence. Spokane, Washington. Good heavens, the league girl must have taken a very fast... Yes, yes, put him on, please. Hello, Frederick. Yes, I am indeed. Now, are you ready? Rook to the King's Bishops 3. Check. <laughs> How do you like them apples, Frederick? Goodbye. <laughs> Poor old Frederick. <laughs> Lost both nights last September and can't get his queen out. Oh, don't these long-distance chess games run up some pretty fancy telephone bills? Oh, not for me, my love. You'll notice that I always receive the calls. I never initiate. Oh. <laughs> oh, I, I only play cross-country chess with those of my professional acquaintances who are equipped to finance them and at their invitation. Oh, I'm no Reshevsky, but playing 20 simultaneous games blindfolded, but I'm pretty good. I didn't know there were any college professors who could afford that sort of playing. Oh, there are a few. Pitifully few, I must admit. You know the ones who have written cloak and sword novels for Hollywood, under assumed names, of course. And the unmarried ones who prefer to spend their budgets playing chess by phone rather than go nightclubbing. You gave up a lot of things to marry me, too, didn't you? (laughs) I certainly did, my darling. Bad meals, dull evenings, risky encounters with emotional undergraduates, and a, and a growing certainty that life was passing me by. Like poor old Frederick in Spokane, without a queen, I was playing a losing game. Well, Toddy, you're, you're so dependable, particularly when it comes to giving a wife the right answers. I think one of the reasons I fell so deeply and so permanently in love with you, Vicky, was because you asked the kind of questions I was able to answer. Oh, one of the reasons I loved you, Toddy, was that if you didn't know the answers, you made them up. <laughs> but didn't happen many times. Ah, uh, you have a very gracious memory, my sweet. You asked a million questions I was unable to answer. Remember the evening by the sea at Brighton? With the full moon across the water and dance music from the hotel battling the elements to be heard? It's been a lovely evening, William. I remember it for long, long. I remember it always. You won't have to make any effort toward it, Victoria. I'll be reminding you. By mail, by cable, by... Is there such a thing as a carrier seagull? Well, if there isn't, I'll train a few. Has anyone ever had a pet seagull? I don't know, my dear. But if I were a seagull and you wanted me for a pet, I'm sure I... Did you shiver? Are you cold? I've never been warmer. I was just shaking off the thought that we'd ever have to communicate with each other by mail or cable or seagull. Tell me... Doesn't a sabbatical ever stretch? Only when one has wealthy relatives and a disregard for one's job, Vicky. And I have neither. My sabbatical stretches only into next week. It seems only a week since it started. For us, I mean. Oh, it started earlier for me. It started when I bought one ticket to give them tears. 
Because I didn't know where else to go for the evening. I think I knew you were there, even then. No, no, you didn't. That was the night the man who played the vicar had such a cold that you were reading all his lines. <laughs> you were too busy. <laughs> Whatever made you come back? I haven't the faintest idea. Not the faintest? Oh, well, possibly. It was because I just happened to think that you were the most delightful, the most charming, the most enchanting, the most... Go on. Uh, go on. Oh, is that all? Oh. <laughs> I wish you'd come backstage after the first time you saw the play, William, instead of the 27th. It's too bad. We can't reach around in time and snatch back a few lost weeks, isn't it? It's not completely lost, my dear. I saw you almost every night and dreamed of you every day. I was on my way to becoming the traditional absent-minded professor instead of the most timid one. Oh, Vicky, my dear, I am so, so... So? So very fond of you. And I'm very fond of you, William. In fact, I'm very fond of everything tonight. Life and the sea and the moon and the... Professor, why is the moon always associated with lovers? Well, uh, considering that I have been in love for such a short time, my dear, I'm rather ill-equipped to answer that question. But, uh, unless I'm wrong, the moon was once part of this earth. And I suppose that lovers are really a little bit a part of each other. They share an orbit of their own. It's strange, isn't it, that the moon has been shared by millions of lovers and is still on an exclusive basis with all of them. It's our moon, isn't it, William? Yes, I filed our claim this morning with the Royal Astronomical Society in London. Good. <laughs> I also claim the proprietary interest in every seventh wave, every fifth seagull. Beg pardon, sir, it's ten o'clock. Ah, listen to them, Victoria. Even the seagulls sound human tonight. Sir? I could swear that one of them spoke to me. Sorry, and... darling, Penny is speaking to uh, you. Penny, do seagulls have pen? Oh, oh, Penny. Oh, I was thinking of something else. Um, uh, what is it, Penny? Ten o'clock, sir. You said to let you know when it was ten o'clock. On account of you wanted to get to bed early. On account of you was going to talk in chapel tomorrow. Oh, yes. And on... yes, Penny, so he did. Thank you, Penny. Good night. Good night, sir. Good night, Mum. Toddy, you were a million miles away. 238,857, to be exact. <laughs> Curious, isn't it, Vicky? That so much has been said about the man in the moon, and so little about the moon in a man. Darling, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just a brief planetary excursion. <laughs> Speaking of which, if I am to star in chapel tomorrow, I must get some sleep. Is your routine set? Victoria... Um, you, you, you make me sound like a trained seal. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, darling. Do you know what you're going to say? Well, I know my text, but I guess the sermon will have to, oh, sort of come out its own way. You're going to talk about Margaret Lee? Yes, yes, I am. I don't believe Dr. Gilby would have done that. Well, I don't think it's quite as much his problem as mine. But his chapel is his house of truth, and I'm going to tell the truth about Margaret Lee. Good for you. Now get some sleep so you look absolutely dreamy in the morning. Well, now, Victoria. And I'll be in the third row centre right across the aisle from the critics. Oh, Toddy, I can hardly wait. Wait? For what, my dear? For the papers. I'm dying to read your notices.
Good morning. I am glad to report that Dr. Gilby is not seriously ill and should be with you again tomorrow. I, I welcome this opportunity to call to your attention a situation which has arisen here at Ivy. And since it concerns a matter of faith, there could be no better place to speak of it than in this chapel. And no better time for it than on the eve of National Brotherhood Week, proclaimed by our president throughout the nation. A young woman, a brilliant student, with such a record of achievement and reputation for integrity that she was an outstanding candidate for the highest office within the gift of the undergraduate body. This young woman has left Ivy and returned to her home. Against unfair student politics, snobbery, and racial prejudice, she fought a good fight and thought she had lost. In her conception and practice of decent human behavior, she has shown, I believe, no lack. Therefore, she does not leave here the poorer. Rather is it some of you who have found wanting. And by the same token, I too must have a sense of failure. Tolerance is a word I would rather not use. It seems to indicate a condescension. I prefer the word understanding. And intelligent understanding is as essential to our study of human relationship as it is to our comprehension of, of Latin or science. We must learn not only the meaning of democracy, but its application and practice. Or in after years, our boast of a superior way of life will be a sham. And Ivy College will have failed in its primary function, a preparation for life. I would like now to inform you that I have been in communication with this young lady, and she is returning to school. I hope I may rely on the student body to conduct the forthcoming election for president of the council on a basis of merit untinged by social bias so that her faith in us will be restored. Ladies and gentlemen of Ivy, the human race is not an exclusive club with a selective membership. We are all members from birth. True, it has both active and associate members, and it is up to each of us to provide our own classification. But I consider it one of the most important functions of education. So to instruct you in the humanities, that when your membership in this human society is ended, the recording secretary may mark you paid in full. It. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. 
And here again are Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. Good night, everyone. Good night. We'll be seeing you next week at this time at the Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. The other players were Barbara Jean Wong, Gloria Gordon, Herb Butterfield, and Willard Waterman. Tonight's script was written by Don Quinn and Walter Brown Newman. Our music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. The Halls of Ivy was created by Don Quinn, directed by Nat Wolfe, and presented by the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ken Carpenter speaking. Gentlemen, the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin presents The Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. If you like good beer, you'll find it pays to be curious and learn about Schlitz for yourself. And now, the Halls of Ivy. That's around us here today. And we will not forget though we be. Welcome again to Ivy. Ivy College, that is, in the town of Ivy, USA. Today is the windiest day of the windiest month of the year here at Ivy. It's also the day chosen by the members of Ivy's Board of Governors for their quarterly meeting. I'll let those who will make the most of this coincidence. Ivy's president, Dr. William Todd Hunter Hall, is out walking this afternoon with his wife, the former Victoria Cromwell of the English musical comedy stage. As they round the corner of the library, Mrs. Hall says... There's Mr. Wellman. Where? Where? Over there, heading this way. Oh, yes. That's really a remarkable strut he has. It is, isn't it? Yeah, look at him, look. He's marching four abreast all by himself. (laughs) I sometimes wonder, Victoria, if we're not a bit too hostile toward Mr. Wellman. You know, there's much to be said in his favor. He began life as a poor boy and pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. He's now a power in the canned soup business... And chairman of our board of governors. You've got to hand it to him. I know. If you don't, he just reaches out and grabs it anyway. (laughs) He seems to be smiling. A beastly little smile. Like the canary who swallowed the cat. (laughs) Probably just thought of something to make the board bedevil you. Now, now, Vicky, we mustn't judge him too harshly. You haven't had a change of heart about him, have you? In Victoria, Mr. Wellman has often been arrogant and discourteous to me. He has occasionally been mean and spiteful. Nevertheless, there is something about the man that renders him, in my eyes at least, uh, obnoxious. <laughs> well, thank heaven. I thought for a moment you were ill. <laughs> uh, but I've been wondering if perhaps it wouldn't be better for the school if I tried to establish a friendlier relationship with him. What would your reaction be if I invited him to dinner this evening? My usual reaction. My shoulders would sag with delight. Oh, please, please don't invite him, Toddy. I never know what to talk to him about. I've always considered you a tower of strength, conversationally. When Mr. Wellman is present, I'm a tower of jello. 
Let's, um, let's not rush into it. All right, my dear. Uh, another time, perhaps. Yes, later in the spring when the passenger pigeons return. Uh, darling, the passenger pigeon is extinct. How nice. <laughs> At any rate, I, I see no reason why I shouldn't offer him an olive branch, do you? None, except he's liable to bash you about the head with it. No, I think I can be relied upon to make him accept it in the spirit in which it's offered. If I say so myself, I'm a pretty good diplomat. You know, the even temper, the retort courteous, the subtle flattery, subtly conveyed. I I have them all at my command when I set my mind to it. Um, Hall the charm boy, they used to call me. <laughs> now, you just watch me melt away his hostility. Ah, uh, good afternoon, Mr. Wellman. I couldn't, oh, uh, but... it's you, Hall. Mrs. Hall? Uh, yes, as as I watched you coming toward us, I, I couldn't help thinking that much of your success must be due to the, the resoluteness so apparent in your walk with which you approach any task, even an ordinary meeting of the board. This isn't going to be an ordinary meeting, if I can help it. Far from it. Have you seen today's newspaper? Uh, no, I haven't. Here, read that. Read that! Hmm. Oh, I... Oh, 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 I see. You're, <laughs> you're going to liven it up a bit, are you? <laughs> Play a few practical jokes, eh? Oh, clever, very clever. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? What are you reading? <laughs> Listen, Vicky. Now on sale, largest collection of itch powder and dribble glasses in town. A million laughs. <laughs> no, not the advertisement. The column next to it. Uh, oh. <laughs> what? What is it? Town Council passes resolution condemning vice on Ivy Campus? How how dare they perpetrate such an outrageous insult? The point, Dr. Hall, is how you dare permit such a condition to flourish here at the school. Mr. Wellman, surely you know as well as I there is no basis in fact for this, this, this contemptible lie. I know only that for years, against your opposition, I have tried to do away with the very thing at which the Town Council now points an accusing finger. Willow Walk. Is that what the Town Council means by vice? Our local lover's lane? Precisely. And they're quite right, though it shames me to admit it. We all know what goes on in Willow Walk on spring evenings. Do we? What? <laughs> Never having been there myself, Mrs. Hall, I am not prepared with a bill of particulars. But I am equipped with an imagination. Then I suggest that if the town council must point an accusing finger at vice, let it be pointed at your imagination. Ah, that's the only place on the campus that exists. <laughs> I shall, of course, discuss your interesting comments uh, about my imagination with the rest of the board this afternoon. And I request permission to appear in person and discuss it myself. Granted. I shall place the matter of the town council's resolution at the bottom of the agenda. We'll arrive at it around 4.30. I'll be there. Good afternoon, uh, Mrs. Hall. Where were we? Um, what, what were we talking about before this happened? Diplomacy. Oh. The even temper, the retort courteous. Yes, I, I wasn't very diplomatic, was I? Oh, I don't know. As diplomacy goes these days. No. No, no I behaved badly. You didn't behave at all, I'm proud to say. The students were being vilely insulted, and so naturally you exploded. Yes, I really did, didn't I? You certainly did, I, I say. Will you ever forget the expression on his face when you told him where you thought the town council ought to point? 
Never. <laughs> the memory of it will make me the jolliest ex-college president on the breadline. Oh, dear. I'll bet Wellman will work the board into a frenzy over this. Yes, unless I apologize. No, under the circumstances, I think bread is far more palatable than humble pie. What the devil provoked the town council to issue such a blast? So completely without foundation. I know that enmity between the town and the gown is proverbial in academic history, but... Hello, Victoria. Uh, oh, hello, Pauline. Oh, well. Good afternoon, Dr. Hall. Good afternoon. Would you like a lift? My car's right over there. No, thank you, Professor Larson. We're out for a stroll. Oh, you're dressed to the nines, Pauline. I never saw you look lovelier. Are you going on a date? Oh, no. I'm on my way to a council meeting at Town Hall. Do you think I look attractive enough to hold the councilman's attention for five minutes? That's all the time they've allotted me to speak against a bill they're considering. Mm. I think they'd be only too happy to spend five minutes just looking at you. Why, thank you, dear. <laughs> um, is this to be a little field expedition on behalf of your political science department, Professor? Oh, no. No, the Town Civic Reform League has asked me to help stop the passage of a bill which extends, oh, practically without reservation, the powers of the town council. Oh. The boys in the back room are trying to push it through so as to help them rig elections more easily. Well, I'm sure you'll prove most effective. I doubt it. You see, the Reform League's only a few years old, while the local machine was already raiding the pork barrel at a time when Tammany Hall was just a gleam in Aaron Burr's eye. <laughs> no, I'm afraid this bill will go through with a whoop and a holler. Well, what in blazes is happening downtown? Yesterday, a baseless accusation of vice on the campus... Today, a crooked bill? Well, the machine has recently been taken over by P.T. Granger, the honest brakeman. And he... The honest brakeman? Uh-huh. That's what the newspaper boys call him. Due to the fact that he once spent eight years working in the freight yards and never stole a locomotive. <laughs> he's a new broom and he sweeps dirty. And he's very much interested in you. In me? How do you know? He's been sitting in that convertible over there for the past few minutes just staring at you. Oh. Strange-looking bird, I must say. I've never seen such brilliant plumage. Are you familiar with the species, William? Oh, only through books, I'm sorry to admit. They're called uh, scalawags, sticky-fingered scalawags, or politicus corruptus. Oh. <laughs> they feed largely on public apathy, foul other birds' nests, and, although the plumage varies, may be easily identified by their bills, which are crooked, and their song, which sounds something like... What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Do <laughs> oh, let's have a closer look. Oh, I intend to immediately. Uh, Professor Larson, yes. if you should happen to think of some way of snaring this bird, I hope you'll inform me. I have a collector's itch to see him stuffed and mounted in the Ivy Museum of Natural History. Uh, Come on, Vicky. Let's tackle Granger. <laughs> Goodbye, Paulie, and good luck. Thank you, dear. Bye. Shall you um, have another go at diplomacy? Uh, at this time, I shall maintain an even temper. Coolness and calculation are the best weapons in situations like this, if I've read my Machiavelli correctly. Hmm. Uh, cool and calculating, therefore, I shall be. Uh, Mr. Granger? Quite right. Mr. Quite right. Mr. P.T. Granger? Quite right. Well, what the devil do you mean by accusing us of tolerating vice at the school? Darling, Machiavelli, Machiavelli. How dare you vilify us? How dare you besmirch us? Go ahead, Doc. Let it out. Only natural considering. <laughs> Quite right. Quite right. I demand an explanation. Sure you do. Knew you would. Quite right. I suggest some other phrase entirely correct or indubitably true. <laughs> you needle easy, Mrs. Hall. Hey, Doc, I made the council pass that resolution just to let you know I was around. Nothing personal in it, just politics. Leading up to a little favor I want you to do for me. You actually have the colossal gall to expect a favor of me? 
quite right. You'll do it, too. I am not a betting man, Granger, but in this instance, I'm prepared to give odds you're wrong. Uh, save your money, Doc. I got you taped from here to breakfast, and I say you'll do it. You'll do it, or you'll learn that what the council did to the school yesterday is nothing compared to what I'm ready to make it do. <laughs> the way I got you pegged, you'll do almost anything to save the school's fair name. <laughs> Isn't that the way you'd say it? Just what is it you want, Granger? Ready to play ball. <laughs> Quite right. Quite right. Nothing else you can do. Doc, I'm getting ready to move into politics on a statewide basis. I don't know who yet, but I'm entering a candidate in the next election for governor. Whoever it turns out to be, I see him as a man just lousy with respectability. <laughs> Go on. Go on. Well, guess whose name I want right up at the top of the list of prominent people heartily endorsing my man. Granger, I am at a slight disadvantage in dealing with this situation, even after studying Plato's Republic, Moore's Utopia, and Aristotle's Politica. What state do they operate in? Uh, the state of enlightenment. I doubt if you've ever crossed the border. <laughs> However... Cut it short, Doc. I... It's all settled anyway. <laughs> I got more important things to do. I got to listen to the race results in a couple of minutes. However, I have faced greater terrors than any you have so far conjured up. Differential calculus, astrophysics, and French irregular verbs, to name a few. A moment ago, you asked me to guess something. Now I'll ask you. Guess where I'll see you first before I grant you that favor. <laughs> Show and fight, eh? Quite right, quite right. Take a walk around the block, Doc, and think it over. I'll be here another 20 minutes. Enjoy those 20 minutes, Granger, because when I return, I am going to run you right out of town, so help me. What? Quite right, quite right. <laughs> I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. Before we return to the halls of Ivy, let's listen to the story of a man who went to Florida and, like the Spaniards before him, made an important discovery. From where I sat, stretched out, relaxed in the terrace of my hotel, Florida was a production in technicolor. The greens and blues of the ocean, the sky, and the palm trees were intense. And so, too, was my satisfaction. It was one of those settings where you might say all that was needed to complete the picture of utter contentment was a bottle of Schlitz beer. But that came later. At the moment, all I knew of Schlitz was its fame. So I dozed in my chair and only dimly conscious of the hotel waiters passing back and forth serving others on the terrace. Slowly, my attention was drawn to the trays they carried, or rather, what they carried on them. It seemed that Schlitz beer was getting quite a play from the paying customers. And as the number of Schlitz orders began to add up, I became more and more impressed. Then I remembered having read that Schlitz was the most popular beer in the world. My contentment gradually gave way to curiosity, until I found myself wide awake and wondering why Schlitz was so much in demand. Of course, there was only one way to find out. I ordered a bottle of Schlitz. And one deep swallow told me what I wanted to know. Let me put it this way. No wonder they call Schlitz the beer that made Milwaukee famous. 
that surround us here today. Returning to the halls of Ivy, we find a moody and reflective Dr. Hall sitting on a bench on the commons with Mrs. Hall, who's feeding the squirrels. Mrs. Hall says, Look at the greedy little beggars. Would you like to give them some nuts? Hmm? Nuts. Oh, my sentiments exactly. <laughs> Vicky, you've no idea how inadequate I feel. I've probably received more honorary degrees than Granger has third degrees. And yet, in certain spheres, he's an intellectual giant compared to me. He was cat-and-mousing me just now and enjoying it, too. Now, how can I possibly give students the implements with which they can meet life on its own terms when I myself am so utterly helpless? Well, you might add some new courses to the curriculum. Cynicism 1 and 2. But that's a long-range problem. <laughs> Closer at hand is the question, how is the honest brakeman to be handled? And let's not try to be diplomatic about it. Oh, I agree. This calls for knuckle-dusters rather than kid loves. Mm, what else? As I see it, the only thing Granger has that I lack is the control of one to 2,000 votes. And I doubt if I can supply this lack in the next few minutes. So that leaves only one alternative. Mm, change your name, grow a beard, and take up some other profession. It's something, something along those lines. Oh, this has turned out to be just about the most crisis-ridden stroll I've ever taken. <laughs> All I wanted to do this afternoon was to walk off an excellent lunch. So far, I've insulted the chairman of the board and been threatened with smear campaigns by a penny anti-politico. Well, life's full of little booby traps. Do you remember our reception at the Red Lion Inn at Marlow that last weekend in England? Oh, don't I? Now, now there was an infuriating quarter of an hour. <laughs> remember that wild dash to the railroad station? Yeah. After the last show, the bumpy train rides, no taxi to meet us when we arrived at two in the morning. Yeah, and a one-mile hike to the inn in the rain, with <laughs> you staggering under all that luggage. Yes, and not a soul awake at the hotel to take care of us when we got there. Oh, I'll never forget it, never. Where is everyone? Oh, the place is absolutely deserted. <laughs> oh, Vicky, now, don't tell me you've caught cold. Oh, no, I haven't. At least, I hope not. <laughs> Sit here, darling. Sit here, near the fire. I'll, I'll poke it up a bit. Well, how deep does a note for us on the desk? I, I told the landlord when I telephoned that we were rather late getting here. He assured me someone would wait, wait up for us. Well, look. It's a box with my name on it. Is there? Well, 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 open it, darling. Look, bring it over here and sit down. There. Now give me your foot. I want to get those wet shoes off. Yeah. What's in it? Sack of flour. What on earth? Oh, good Lord. I told the landlord I wanted some flowers for you. <laughs> flowers! <laughs> you idiots. Uh, I'm sorry, darling. Well, please don't be. It was very sweet of you to have thought of it at all. Oh, I know. Much good it did. Oh, I'm going to knock at every door in the place till I find someone to look after us. No, Toddy, don't. There may be other couples here on a lovely weekend of their own. Well, I see no reason why they should be permitted to enjoy a weekend while we're condemned to a bench down here. Well, it's not so bad, really. Seems to be very soft wood. Oh, you're an angel, Vicky. <laughs> Always making the best of everything. Uh, sit down here. All right. Whoops! This is not soft wood. <laughs> Put your arms round me. I feel better already. <laughs> Sorry. Well, oh, it's too bad, isn't it? I'm sorry. 
Did I forestall a kiss? Oh, never mind, darling. I have plenty more. <laughs> uh, look, you, you, um, uh, just, just tell me when. Now, there. Well, this is more like it. Ah, Vicky, I'd planned it all so differently. I wanted our own comfortable room with a lovely fire going. A full moon outside the window and the smell of jasmine from the garden below. And somewhere a nightingale singing. This isn't really the season for nightingales. Well, then then I would have hired someone to do bird calls just for the occasion. <laughs> I can coo a little. Ah, do a little, my dove. Oh, that was a sad little dove, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, darling, I'm sure of one thing. If we can surmount this kind of night, the rest of our married life ought to be smooth sailing. Then you're not beginning to lose the first fineful flush of enthusiasm. Lose it? Darling, you're soaked to the skin. Your hair is almost up. Your nose is red. And I have never seen anyone as ravishing. I love you, Vicky. And if it were ordained that we had to spend the rest of our lives sitting here feeling just as miserable... I'd say amen to it and enjoy every moment. Oh, Tony, kiss me quickly before I sneeze. Before and immediately after, <laughs> my darling. But, but but let's move into this little sitting room. Why, why look, Victoria, isn't that amazing? What? Well, that motto over the door. It's exactly the same as the one at Ivy. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I know, Toddy. It's always been there. Oh, no, my dear, you don't understand. You've never seen it. It's over the library door at Ivy College in America. Well, of course it is. I'm sitting right here looking at it. Come back, Toddy, wherever you are. Come back. Looking at it. Oh, oh. Oh, you mean here at Ivy? I do wish I could go with you when you set sail into space like that. Oh, oh you you do go with me, Vicky. Do you think I'd leave my first mate behind? Oh, that was charming. <laughs> But I think we'd better head for home if you're going to upset Mr. Granger's wild and woolly plan. No, no, wait a moment. Wait, wait. I've just had an inspiration, Vicky. What? Seeing the library gave it to me. Let's go in. Whatever for? Well, in this library since 1640 has reposed the original charter of Ivy Township. When it was incorporated with 75 inhabitants, there must have been laws and statutes which were only intended to apply to a community that small. I'm going to snoop around and see if I can't hunt up some forgotten statute which might might legislate Mr. Granger smack out of his smug, complacent skin. Vicky, Vicky, I've got it. Hell, tell. Well, in 1757, when Ivy's population had swollen to 93 persons, the city fathers passed a law extending the vote on local affairs to anyone of voting age who had resided in the town for a minimum period of three months. You've lost me, my darling. I haven't got the faintest idea what you're talking about. Don't you realize that 1,500 Ivy students of voting age reside in this town for nine months every year? Doesn't that mean anything to you? Well, it makes for a very attractive campus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but more attractive than you think. Fifteen hundred votes will swing the entire balance of power in this town. Toddy, how wonderful! Why, this makes you a more powerful politico than Granger ever was. Of course it does. And when I explain the situation to the students, I'm sure they'll see eye to eye with and me. They'll go to the polls in droves. You know, if it hadn't been for Professor Larson, I never would have thought to look up the law. Remind me, Vicky, to, to call her as soon as she returns from the meeting. I'm going to increase the budget for the political science department. Come along, Victoria. I'm ready for Mr. Granger. I'm 
going to enjoy this. Don't be greedy, Tolly. Let me into the act, too. <laughs> of course. We, we'll cat and mouse him. Oh, oh, oh. Just watch Bus Hall in action. <laughs> be quiet, dear. You'll hear you. You're right on the nose, Doc. I was just about to turn on the ignition. <laughs> <laughs> what's so funny? <laughs> oh, yeah, I said, what's so funny? <laughs> you, you don't understand what's happening, and you're, and you're curious, aren't you? You're quite right, quite right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me mad, Doc. I ask you a question. I expect an answer. Sure you do. Knew you would. Quite right, quite right. <laughs> you both lost your minds? Oh, not at all. No, we're about to run you out of town, and we're naturally pleased at the prospect. Nothing personal in it, you understand, just politics. Oh, I'll give you ten seconds more, then I'll get mad. Quite right, quite right. <laughs> Look at his face every time I say that, Toddy. <laughs> Mr. Granger, you noodle easy. What? Uh, needle, not noodle, darling. <laughs> Pay close attention, honest Brickman. Yeah. I'm only going to say this once. Yeah. I've just completed a study of the laws of the town of Ivy. So what? You've made a small mistake. There's a forgotten but not obsolete statute here which renders more than 1,500 students at Ivy eligible to appear at the polls, eligible to take advantage of the statutes governing initiative, referendum, and recall. Oh, no. Oh, yes. You know the first thing we're going to do with our vote? We're going to build you a monument. Me? Yes, you. A monument a thousand feet high, made of the rarest marble. Well, I think possibly it'll be one inch wide. It shouldn't cost more than a few million dollars. The college, of course, is non-taxable, so the property holders in town will have to pay for it. Doc, listen. It's going to have your name plastered all over it, and each time they see it and think of the cost, they'll think of you. Fondly, devotedly. Oh, look, Doc. That's only the beginning. Doc, wait a minute. Then I think we'll reconstruct town hall so that the elevators remain stationary while the building goes up and down. (laughs) Doc, please wait. Let's make a deal. A deal does not interest me. But there is always unconditional surrender. Yeah. Yeah, there is, isn't there? Ain't there? Uh, Well, uh, you got it. Unconditional surrender. I'll do anything you say. The first thing you'll do is to come with me to a meeting of our board of governors and inform them the town council was mistaken in its resolution yesterday and that it will retract and apologize. (laughs) Quite right. I mean, uh, uh, sure. Only a jerk would have believed it anyway. I want you to tell that to the chairman of our board personally. (laughs) Personally? To Weldon? Yes, and in my presence. Doc, I got no right to ask, but will you do me a favor? Well, what is it? Do you teach politics here at Ivy? Yes, we have a political science department. I want to take that course. Enroll me. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the beer that made Milwaukee famous. Now, here again are Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. Well, it's late, Toddy. Time to close up. Have you finished whatever it is that you're writing? All but the last line, Vicky. It's a limerick. Hmm, perhaps I can help. How does it go? Uh, a guileless old fellow named Hall, on finding his back to the wall, like Machiavelli, he managed so well he... Uh, could hardly be lived with at all. <laughs> very good, my <laughs> But seriously, I think you handled the case of the honest brakeman very well. well. I don't know. I'm afraid I slipped up on the retort courteous. You went even one better, Toddy. You gave them the reproof valiant. Well, so long as it wasn't the reply churlish, my dear. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs> Well, 
We'll be seeing you next week at this time at the Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. The other players were Eleanor Audley, Edwin Max, and Herbert Butterfield. Tonight's script was written by Walter Brown Newman and Don Quinn. Our music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. The Halls of Ivy was created by Don Quinn, directed by Nat Wolf, and presented by the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ken Carpenter speaking. Ladies and gentlemen, the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin presents The Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the largest selling beer in America. No wonder it's the beer that made Milwaukee famous. If you like good beer, you'll find it pays to be curious and learn about Schlitz for yourself. And now, the Halls of Ivy. Welcome again to Ivy, Ivy College, that is, in the town of Ivy, USA. It's graduation week at Ivy, and like every small college, it has its own traditions and customs, which will be carried out by both students and faculty. With some, it's a time of gaiety and excitement. For others, a time of tears and sadness. For Ivy's president, Dr. William Todd Hunter Hall, it's a time of speech writing, conferences, and the disposing of countless detailed matters. But as he tells his English ex-actress wife, Victoria, It's amazing. Everything is going according to schedule. Not one major incident has come along to upset the uh, the graduation cards. Usually by this time... Oh, good heavens. Did the cart topple over? It, no, it might have. Vicky, I have a message for you. From me? From who? Or is it from whom? It is from neither who nor whom. It's from me. <laughs> well, that's even better. I adore messages from you. Like, um, darling, please have my grey suit cleaned. Love, W. I do love W, too. <laughs> Good, but I, but I have to admit that this message has been slightly delayed. Due to a sort of baccalaureate fog around the region of the brain. The message, my darling, says simply, I love you very much and will you be my date for the senior prom? Well, but I don't expect your answer by engraved reply, but after all... Well, I was just thinking. Tori, does this invitation include a late walk down Ivy Lane? You mean Romeo's Road? That common lover's path which is frequented by, by intrepid maid and callow youth? Yes. Oh, we'll, we'll not only take to Ivy Lane at the first possible moment, but I won't even promise we'll walk. <laughs> well, good. Then I accept your invitation with pleasure. Besides, I've already bought a new dress for the dance. And it's the kind that one rarely wears when one is with one's husband. If you know what one means. 
No, but I can hardly wait to see what one means. I... Oh, oh, what time is it? It's almost one. Now, Toddy, you haven't had a bite to eat. Do you have to be somewhere? No, darling, but you do. Bill Davis, the senior class president, will be here to pick you up about 1.30. Well, it's very nice of him, dear, but he isn't my type. No, no, Vicky, Vicky, you've been elected by the senior class to pick the winning tickets from the raffle bowl. Oh, I have? Well, you don't seem very happy about it. It's quite an honor, my girl. This is roughly equivalent to... Well, to being chosen by the Deep Sea Divers Association as the... as the girl we'd most like to blow bubbles with. <laughs> I'm deeply pleased, if you say so. Or I would be if I had the slightest idea of what raffle you were talking about. The raffle of the faculty cars. Oh. Victoria, is it possible that you've been here all this time and still don't know about Ivy's famous raffle? Yes, it's quite possible because I don't know. Who raffles the cars and to whom do they go? Uh, to who? Yes. It's something new I just thought up. See, this way I don't have to worry about when to put the M on the end of who. <laughs> it's simple, huh? Yes, yes. Yes, it is, uh, uh simple. <laughs> I, I don't like to discourage you, my darling, but there are a few grammarians around the campus to whom who your ideas might not appeal. <laughs> so... I saved by the bell. I'll answer it, dear. Hmm. Tom Ho. From Ho. Ovo. No, no. <laughs> Mr. Wellman, Toddy, he seems terribly agitated. Oh, I knew things were too calm and peaceful to last. Well, show him in. I am in, Dr. Oh. Hall. I can only stay a minute. That's good. I mean, it's good you found time to stop by at all. This is not a social call. I'll come right to the point. Dr. Hall, this, this raffle of faculty cars, it's, it's disgraceful. It must be stopped. But why? The money is used for a legitimate purpose, uh, to defray expenses of the senior prom. I participated in it during my senior year at Ivy, didn't you? Of course I did. But under protest even then, I am opposed to gambling. Are you really, Mr. Wellman? I understood you'd done very well in stock market speculations. <laughs> market speculations? Business investments, I, well, that was purely business, Mrs. Hall. Sometime, I'd like to have your views on the National Lottery, Mr. Wellman. And, and don't tell me we don't have one every four years. <laughs> uh, do I understand that you consider this traditional ivy raffle gambling? Isn't it? I'm sorry I wasn't here when the game started, but what do the winners win? I, I still don't know. The use of the faculty members' cars, Vicky. For the night of the senior prom. And the use of the faculty member who owns the car. Our good professors, all reduced to the positions of mere vassals. Being forced to act as chauffeurs for students who could just as well walk, who might better walk. Mm. Mr. Wellman. Yes, Dr. Hall. You are making a mountain out of a money-raising project. I, I have never heard any faculty member complain about this custom. Quite the contrary. They enjoy it. Oh, I realize that the amount of money that is bid on each professor's car might possibly reflect on the uh, esteem in which some of them are held, but I still I didn't expect that... you to be sympathetic with my viewpoint, Dr. Hall. I fully expected uh, antagonism, but I do expect to use every ounce of my influence to abolish this raffle, starting with this year. Goodbye. Don't bother to show me out. I can find the door myself. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, he found the door. Now the question is, can we? <laughs> what an unpleasant little man. Is it true that he crawled out from under a flat rock, William? <laughs> well, we, we might say that um, uh, Mr. Wellman's presence at Ivy is due to the fact that the Board of Governors, in their search for executive material, left no stone unturned. <laughs> By the way, has he any logical objection to the faculty raffle? I, I mean, reasonable. Mr. Wellman objects to everything, on principle. Especially if there's the slightest chance that the thing he's objecting to might give someone a little enjoyment. Mm, I suspect that in his babyhood, someone snatched his pacifier away. <laughs> and left him with lips permanently pursed. Uh, with him, happiness is just a thing called off. And the only fun he ever has is seeing that no one else has any. Yeah, that's a masterly bit of character analysis, Doctor. <laughs> well, is there anything he can really do, though, about the raffle? Oh, not this year, anyway. He's starting his reform movement much too late. Mm. I wonder who'll win our car. No, no, no. The President's car is never raffled. Incidentally, I hope the service station brings it back pretty soon. It'll be back at 4.30 p.m. on the dot. Mal said so. Mal? Who is Mal? It's a, a new garage in Ivy. Mal's garage. I took it there to be serviced because I like those signs he puts up all over, you know? The happiest cars in town are maladjusted. <laughs> Good heavens. <laughs> Neurotic piston ring. <laughs> but if it isn't to be raffled, what does it matter when we get the car back? Well, although it, it isn't raffled, my pet, the president's car is always requisitioned to, to drive the student king and queen of the ball. And so are we. Traditionally, Oh, we... dear. Well, that must be Bill. Uh, goodbye, darling. Uh, goodbye, dear. And remember, a time-honored tradition now rests on your shoulders. Pick your winners fairly and squarely. No peeking at the tickets. Break clean as your hand leaves the bowl. <laughs> He's an impatient lad. I'm coming. All right, Bill. I... Why, Professor Warren. Hello. Hello, Mrs. Hall. You and the doctor going out? You'll find William in his study, Professor. I'm the one who's leaving. Bill Davis is picking me up to take me to the raffle drawing. Oh, yes, yes. It's a wonderful custom. You know, ma'am, I'm downright silly about these old traditions. Mm. Just love them. They set Ivy apart from other schools. Make it just a little more than an institution of learning. I, uh... Well, this raffle just happens to be my favorite. Yeah, I should think so. <laughs> William tells me that your car brings more money than anyone else. Oh. Proves every year how popular you are. <laughs> you certainly are the belle of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's nonsense. Oh, they want me to drive them all right. But it's because they figure I'm such a doddering old idiot that I can't see what goes on in the back seat. <laughs> Oh, you're, you're making it up, Dr. Warren. Now, you've been here a long time. Do you happen to know how this particular custom got started? I do. Confidentially, I started it myself. Oh, you didn't. I did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when I was a young professor, ma'am, I was too poor to ask a girl to the prom, and ordinary stags weren't permitted. Well, I did own a horse and buggy of sorts. It was a long time ago. So I figured out this plan to get me to the dance. Oh. That's how it all began. Don't you tell anybody. A tradition whose origin is not shrouded in mystery is not a real tradition. 
Just a habit. Oh. <laughs> so that's how they get started. Yep. I did. Oh, there's Bill. I'll have to run. I'll see you later, Professor. Dr. Hall's in his study. You go right in. All right. Goodbye, Mrs. Hall. Well, good afternoon, Dr. Hall. Ah, Professor Warren. Your wife told me I'd find you here. Am I interrupting anything? Not a thing. Come in. I'm glad to see you. Sit down. Thank you. Well, Professor, I suppose you've made all your plans for the summer. You're going away for a while? Well, uh, uh, yes. As a matter of fact, that's what I came to see you about. Dr. Hall, I am an old man, over 70. And I've been teaching for 50 years. That's a long time. Yes, it is. But it's not the length of service that makes a teacher invaluable. It's the amount of service he's capable of giving. Being able to transmit knowledge to young, receptive minds. Yes, there's a satisfaction in seeing untrained boys and girls turn out to be educated men and women. And in knowing that you've had part in it. Then your satisfaction should be unlimited, Professor. Oh, well, I've had my share of it. But there is nothing quite so useless or tiresome as a superannuated pedagogue. Uh, Professor, what are you driving at? Well, I... I'm tired, Doctor. One of the reasons. Now with this academic year almost at an end, I'm going to call it quits. I have regretfully decided to retire. To leave, Ivy. If ever a man has earned a rest, Professor Warren, you have. But I can't tell you what a great loss this will be to Ivy College. And to me, personally. Hmm. When do you plan to leave? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yes. Oh, but, but, but what about the baccalaureate service? And surely you intend to drive the winner of your car to the senior prom? No, Doctor. <clears throat> I, I have to leave. Particularly before the senior prom. with Professor Warren. He um, passed Bill and me on the street as if he didn't see us. And I think he was crying. I don't blame him. I feel like crying myself. Uh, hello, Bill. Come in. Hi, Dr. Hall. Is something wrong with the professor? Well, I... Yes. Yes, you might as well know, Bill. But I'd rather you didn't mention it until the news is made official. Professor Warren is resigning... Oh, Charlie, no. That nice man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, excuse me, sir, but, but he can't leave. It would be like, oh, but like yanking a cornerstone. He, he's a part of Ivy. I know how you feel. But now he has decided to part with Ivy. Uh, Bill, has anything happened concerning the senior prom uh, that might have made him decide to leave so suddenly? What do you mean, sir? I <laughs> I don't know what I mean. He, he just insisted that he... Had to leave before the prom. Oh. Uh-oh. That's a profound observation. Does it mean something? Well, Professor Warren looks forward to the prom more than anyone else on the campus. Yes, and from what he told me, he invented the raffle. Now, why should he want to get out before it unless he couldn't participate in it? Well, why couldn't he participate in it? Well, maybe you haven't noticed, but he hasn't driven his car in more than three months. I know he thought it was his secret, Dr. Hall, but 
Well, you know how the grapevine works. A guy in our class has a brother in med school, and he heard it from a doctor in town. I, uh, I guess none of us realize that it's quite as bad as it is. As bad as what is? Bill, what are you talking about? The professor, sir. He's going blind. Oh, no. It doesn't seem possible. Professor Warren. Going blind. A man who has spent his whole life lighting the way for others. Now being inexorably taken into darkness. Bill, sit down. We, we must talk about this. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the largest selling beer in America. No wonder it's the beer that made Milwaukee famous. We'll return to the Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman in just a moment. But first, let's hear how one man found a solution to his eating problem. It was a hot day, close to 90 in the shade of an office building. And if I hadn't had so many calls to make, I'd have been parked under a willow on my back lawn hoping for a breeze. But as it was, I didn't finish until long after 5. Then, thoroughly worn out by the heat, I headed for the nearest tap room where I took a table and a cross draft. I was mopping my brow when a waiter came up, put a bottle of Schlitz beer and a glass in front of me, and then walked off without a word. I hadn't given him an order, but I was too tired and too thirsty to care. So I poured the Schlitz. Ah, it was good and cold, the way I liked beer, and drank. Right then, I forgot my backyard, the willow tree, and the breezes that might come my way, and thoroughly enjoyed that moment and that beer. When I looked up, the same waiter was standing there, smiling, and he asked, Are you enjoying your bottle of Schlitz, sir? Never had a beer that tasted so good, I said. But tell me, how did you know I like Schlitz? Well, sir, replied the waiter, you looked hot and tired, and it did seem to me that a cold bottle of Schlitz would be just the thing. But wasn't that taking kind of a chance, I asked. Perhaps, continued the waiter, but when a beer tastes so good to so many people that it's the largest selling beer in America, there's very little risk involved. I know what you mean, I said, raising my glass to his health. No wonder they call Schlitz the beer that made Milwaukee famous. And now back to Ivy. It's uh, late afternoon, but the gloom of night has settled over the Hall home. For the past hour, Dr. Hall has been pacing the living room floor. If I could only think of a way to handle this. Warren is such a proud man, and he's gone to such lengths to keep this a secret. We'll have to do something. What did the eye doctor say? He said an immediate operation might save his sight. Oh, that's wonderful. He must have it done right away. Yeah, it's an expensive operation, and he's the type of man who would rather go off and, and hide in some dark corner than ask for help. Oh, but Toddy, the college would help him, wouldn't it? I, I mean, finance the operation? Yes, of course. I would see to that, but, but that's just it. Sometimes, unless you can find exactly the right way to be helpful, it is more charitable to be unhelpful. Well... If anyone can find the right way, you can. I have no doubt about that. Uh, Vicky, 
What was that you said when Bill was here? Oh, I said a great many things. Yeah, but this was something that struck a responsive chord at the, at the time. But um, I know you, you said that the professor had invented this rattle. Yeah, he told me that he was the one who started it with a horse and buggy. Is that so? Yes, he was enormously pleased with himself about it. Is that so? Toddy? Hmm? You've got an awfully funny look on your face. Uh, well, it, it's purely a muscular reaction due to the process of thought. <laughs> Victoria, uh, it is a proven fact that the face, like Gaul, est divisa in partes tres. Um, to pure a Caesarian cliché. <laughs> While this triplicity is not particularly evident when the face is in puris naturalibus, it is... Yeah, now back up there, Doctor. Back up, back up. <laughs> it isn't that I don't enjoy hearing you make little Latin sounds. But what does all this foreign double talk mean? <laughs> Roughly translated, it means that I'm perching precariously on the edge of an idea. And I would rather topple over the side of it naturally. I don't want to be pushed. Very well. I won't even give you a nudge. Oh, Vicky, you're the most amazing woman I know, and the least inquisitive. No, not the least inquisitive, darling. I am the woman who has her inquisitiveness the least encouraged. Well, have patience, my darling. I think my idea is beginning to erupt. First thing I have to do is make a phone call. Your livery stable, Norman talking. Uh, this is this is Doctor Hall of Ivy College talking. Oh, uh, hi, Doc. Uh, how's the bookie business? <laughs> the what? Well, skip it, Doc. It's a gag, see? <laughs> I do see. Uh, Norman, uh, do you happen to have a fairly presentable horse and buggy in uh, uh, stock? A what? A horse and buggy. Well, it's a livery stable, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, Doc. Yeah, but like, uh, like what's his name Shakespeare said, what's in a name, hey? <laughs> we, we ain't seen a horse here since Seabiscuit stopped by for tea on his way to the derby. <laughs> e, e old livery stable, it's a sort of a, sort of a whimsical name, you know? <laughs> like in tradition, you know? Yes. <laughs> I'm beginning to know about tradition. Well, hey, I... Hey, hey, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Come to think about it, um... We got an old, beat-up type buggy out in back. That'll help, but uh, no horse. Well, I, uh, well, I have to let you know. As what's his name said, never put the cart before the horse. Come again? <laughs> That's a gag, hey? <laughs> Goodbye, Norman. Vicky, I've discovered that the horse seems to be extinct in Ivy. We'd better find the skeleton of one and add it to our museum before it's too late. I did locate a buggy of sorts, but... A horse but, um, buggy, Toddy? For Professor Warren? Exactly. He could manage that kind of a rig without exposing his failing eyesight. This way, I'm sure I could persuade him to stay over. And it will give us a little more time to, to work out a plan to get him to accept money for his operation. What a wonderful idea. I'm sorry. The door was open and I walked right in. I had to see you. Oh, Bill, I'm glad you came. I figured out how we can keep Professor Warren here, if we can find a horse. Yeah, right now, I'd give my college for one. But you can't. No, no, I agree. I don't think the Board of Governors would consider one of our four-footed friends fair exchange for Ivy. But if I could find one, 
I could keep him here for the prom. Dr. Hall, look, there isn't going to be any prom. There have been two meetings since I saw you. The Board of Governors had one. Mr. Wellman called it to vote down the raffle, and they walloped him 19 to 1. <laughs> then we had one, the senior class. We had an idea and voted on it. Listen, you see... That's the story. What do you think of it? I think it's magnificent. It's the most sensational thing I ever heard. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get busy. Uh, what time does the professor's train leave? About eight, I think. <laughs> you know the Ivy local. Always on time. The engineer's time. <laughs> I'll check to make sure before tomorrow night. And I'll call the livery table right now. And, oh, oh, the horse. Don't worry about that, Doctor. You get the buggy, we'll take care of the horse. Well, I hope you're not being over-optimistic, but I'll leave that up to you. And, Vicky. Uh, will you call the professor and ask him to dinner tomorrow? Dr. Hall, you will make sure that he really plans to leave town. Oh, Bill, after what you just told me, I'll make his plans. He'll leave town if it's the last thing I do. Mrs. Hall, that was the best dinner I've had in I don't know how long. You know, I concoct the worst meal ever cooked up by man. Oh. <laughs> you're just lucky that I'm leaving and can't return this invitation. Well, you're not leaving yet, Professor. There's still over an hour until train time. Have some more coffee. Thanks, but I think I'd better be on my way. I um, have a few things to do. I thought I might walk across the campus. Oh, no. I, uh, I mean, uh, don't tie yourself out, Professor. I, uh, you have a long trip ahead of you. Yes, but I thought I might see a few of the students. I uh, guess nobody knows I'm leaving. At least no one stopped by the house. But I suppose with graduation and prom and all, they're, they're busy. Yes, that's it. They're, they're busy. What's all the hullabaloo out there? I don't know. But we can't have Faculty Road disturbed in this unseemly manner. No, it is awfully unseemly. Hey, come on, Professor. Vicky, we better see what this is all about. But, but I, I don't understand all this. Well, they seem to be cheering for you, Professor. Me? Why? What is this? What have they got out there? Sounds like there are a million of them. There are exactly 97 of them. And that's a buggy they've got with them. Your chariot awaits, Professor. Come on. We're going to take you to the station. But, but Bill, this is awfully nice. But have you just got a buggy? Haven't you got a horse? 97 of them, Professor. You've hauled us around for a good many years. Now it's our turn to return the favor. Oh, uh, before we go, here, this is for you. It's not a going-away present, it's a coming-back present. Thank you, Bill. My glass is a little clouded. It's a piece of paper. Is this a note? Yes, it's a note, all right. Payable on presentation at any bank. It's a check for $2,000. Yep, it's the money from the raffle. It really belongs to you, Professor. Take it and use it any way you like. Only one condition. Come back. Our class wants you here at Ivy. Oh, now, listen, if we don't get going, you'll miss your train. You're about to meet the horsiest senior class in history. Come on. Goodbye. <laughs>
they look. The whole senior class harnessed up, pulling the buggy. Yes. I don't think I'll ever forget it. There they go. Yes. And there goes their senior prom. Vicky, there's a big place in this world for those boys and girls. Aren't they wonderful? I'm awfully afraid I'm going to cry. Well, then, let's go inside. If he has a crying wife to comfort Vicky, it's nice to have a house around a man. I was curious. I tasted it. Now I know why Schlitz is the largest selling beer in America. No wonder it's the beer that made Milwaukee famous. And here again are Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. Good night, everyone. Good night. Sure to see Ronald Coleman's latest picture, Champagne for Caesar. We'll be seeing you next week at this time at the Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. The other players were Herb Butterfield, Arthur Q. Bryan, Peter Leeds, and Sheldon Leonard. Tonight's script was written by Cameron Blake and Don Quinn. Music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. The Halls of Ivy was created by Don Quinn, directed by Nat Wolf, and presented by the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ken Carpenter speaking. This is Ronald Coleman inviting you to join Mrs. Coleman and me for the next half hour when our sponsors, the brewers of Schlitz Beer, present the Halls of Ivy. If you like good beer, do as millions of people are doing all over the country. Ask for Schlitz, the beer that made Milwaukee famous. Schlitz tastes so good to so many people that it's the largest selling beer in America. It has to be fine to be first. And now, the Halls of Ivy. Welcome again to Ivy. Ivy College, that is, in the town of Ivy, USA. The annual theatrical production of the Athenaeum Club is only a few weeks away. So far, against all tradition, there's been no announcement about what play they're doing. It's unthinkable, of course, that they should not do The Importance of Being Earnest, The Rivals, Lady Windermere's Fan, or something equally public domain. But who knows? Even at the home of Dr. William Todd Hunter Hall, the president of Ivy, it's under discussion. With the authority of her years at the English theater, Victoria Cromwell Hall says... Frankly, Toddy, I'm a little hurt. I'm mortified and mystified, too. Why, my darling? Well, usually the Athenaeums are around here right after Christmas to ask my advice on plays and casting. This year, I just sit in the window, twitching the curtains, and what happens? Nothing. Well, that may be what they'll put on as a result of their negligence. Nothing. A play in no acts by Raymond Zero, starring Gladys Absent. (laughs) (laughs) Costumes by Edith Nobody. Book and lyrics by Don Empty and Nat Vacant. <laughs> Watch for opening, May the 33rd. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Vicky, uh, as for the Athenaeums, 
I have been snooping. When? That's my department. Women are permitted to snoop. But when a man does it, it's called checking the background. <laughs> well, at any rate, this afternoon, I, I allowed myself to wander. In fact, I rather steered myself in the general direction of the Athenaeum Club, hoping they'd be rehearsing. Yeah, hoping they'd left a window shade up. <laughs> it reminds me of an old joke we used to have about an old rake and a grass widow, but fortunately, I can't remember how it goes. Yes. <laughs> well, that's just as well, darling. Yes. No, they, um, no, they didn't leave a single peephole. Stage-struck hall was foiled. Oh, it's too bad. And you must have noticed over the years that I invariably served with the tenderest cut of ham. I've always been sure there's a real affinity. Well, you mean that... Um, I certainly I... do. I'm sure you would. I haven't the slightest doubt. I've been an actor. If you hadn't been a college president, which you're better than anyone else is at it. Good heavens, what construction. <laughs> you are criticizing my English or admiring my figure? <laughs> I do. I only criticize your English at rare intervals, but your personal architecture is a constant source of admiration. <laughs> this, however, concerns your syntax. My syntax, I'll have you know, is paid up to June 15th. <laughs> I, now, I was merely saying that had you not been an excellent college president, you would undoubtedly have been an equally excellent actor. That's better. You see, the use of the participle is, is, is one of the... Uh, I would. You really think I'd have been a good actor? <laughs> I don't think it's too late even now. We'll make the rounds of the Broadway producers. Cromwell and Hall. I'm taking top billing on account of my greater experience. I don't know why top billing is so important to you theatre people. What difference does it make? Whose name comes first? Oh, you dear innocent lamb. Well, <laughs> theatrically, this is a very basic thing. Now, let me demonstrate. I wish you would. Ever hear of Barnum and Bailey? Of course, Phineas T. Barnum, T. for Taylor, uh, eminent showman, psychologist, and cynic, author of and profiting hugely from the famous dictum, there's a sucker born every minute. <laughs> Pri Prince of Hamburg and shrewd promoter of those renowned personalities, Tom Thumb, Jenny Lind, Jumbo the Elephant, and the fraudulent Cardiff Giant. Excellent. So much for Barnum, who got top billing. Now, tell me about Bailey, who was billed second. Hmm. <laughs> I, I see what you mean. Yes, uh, thank you, teacher. Well, you're quite welcome. <laughs> and a very bright pupil. Um, now then, what happened at the Athenaeum Club? Nothing. From the play of the same name by Raymond Zero. Well, all right. If you roll me my crystal ball, I'll tell you what happened. I'm a medium, you know. Uh-huh. How's business? Medium. <laughs> <laughs> It's always been my policy to strike a happy medium, but in your case, madam, I restrain myself. <laughs> so read the ball. Read the crystal ball, Fatima. Well, I see a man. I cannot make out what his name is, but his initials are Clarence Wellman. Well, you certainly can't expect me to pay for a reading about anyone with such revolting initials. Well, if I don't think of the name, I won't charge you. Good. This man, however, is about to charge you. Well, it's his privilege. He opened the account himself. <laughs> he will charge that you have assailed his dignity, undermined his pomposity, and generally offended his squeakishness by coming to the assistance of the Athenaeum players. Well, that's ridiculous. They won't even let me in. He will state that although he had definitely cancelled this evening's scheduled rehearsal because he found it necessary to use their hall for a business meeting, you have found it necessary to oppose him and coddle the aspiring actors by finding them other quarters in which to rehearse. 
This man considers this over and above your jurisdiction. Well, I consider it over and above his to interfere with rehearsals. Why doesn't he have the business meeting in his own house? Or in his office? I won't stand for it. Have you done any of these things he's accusing you of? I've never even heard of them. Then what are you mad at? <laughs> I, I don't know. You're, you're too good an actress. I thought it was all true. <laughs> it is. Jimmy Thornton told me all about it this afternoon. Well, throwing them out, I mean. So I tried a new arrangement of furniture in the living room. It looks quite nice. And it'll work out all right as a stage. Do you mind? Mind? My dear, I, I simply marvel at the spectacular luck which brought me you. Uh, but I suspect you. You do? A little. The mountain didn't come to Mohammed, but... Uh, yes. So, if they couldn't find a hall to work with in one place, it was suggested that they might find two halls somewhere else, right? Right. <laughs> I don't know that you'll find the lighting just right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, nor all the necessary props. Props, but... Toddy, props. Oh, well, yes, thank you. Nor all the necessary props, but you're most welcome here. Work as long as you want. And as loud. Well, you don't know what a break this is for us, Dr. Hall. You've saved our lives. Uh, Dr. Hall. Yes, what is it, Roger? Is that old poop the right to throw us out? Uh, that old... Poop, Toddy. <laughs> I'm sorry, Doctor. I mean, Mr. Wellman. Well, frankly, I, I don't think he has. Although I understand Mr. Poopman, uh, I mean Mr. Wellman, <laughs> has put up a great deal of money for the modern development of the classic drama. But that's the whole purpose of the Athenaeum Club. Why doesn't he throw his business meeting out then? Why have you kept the name of this year's production such a secret? Well, frankly, Mrs. Hall, we wanted to keep the whole thing dark until it was too late to do anything about it. We don't think that Mrs. Hall would disagree with it. Hmm. I'd like to find out before commenting on that whether this is a frankly dirty play or just one appealing to the lower intellect. <laughs> well, before I ask anything about the play, does Mr. Wellman know what it is? Yes, sir. Ah. And how did he find out? He followed the gas man in when he came to read the meter. <laughs> and then he didn't leave. And right in the middle of the biggest scene in the play, a closet door opened. Wellman walked out and said, Disgraceful, utterly disgraceful. This is not Shakespeare. Don't bother. I can find my own way out. And he slammed the door. Shakespeare. Is it Shakespeare? Let's put it this way, Doctor. The Athenaeum Club is supposed to go in for modern development of the classic drama. Yeah, that's right. Well, we just take the word modern seriously, that's all. You don't mean that uh, you've rewritten Shakespeare? We've thrown them out altogether. <laughs> for the first time in my life, William, I'm thinking of going into business with Mr. Wellman. Yes, well, I think before you boys and girls go to work, it's advisable that we learn a little bit more about what's really going on. What play are you doing? Romeo and Julio. Romeo. <laughs> it's a slight switcheroo, out of respect to the original author. This is a modern play? Well, our way it is. Uh, I hope the Festival of Britain doesn't get wind of this, or <laughs> it might end up as the year the tight little island came loose. <laughs> We just think that a modern paraphrase of the great old love story will get understanding from, from a lot of people who'd feel otherwise that the classic drama was being shoved down their throats. Well, you must know, all of you, that Mrs. Hall and I are most interested in the theater and any of its developments. Personally, I've always felt that the most interesting thing, development of the theater in the past decade, has been Mrs. Hall. Oh, <laughs> what a nice switch in the conversation. <laughs> Let's pursue the subject, unless you feel that marriage ends the pursuit. Oh, I don't see how you could possibly have given it up, Mrs. Hall. The theater, I mean. Really, Hazel? Well, 
Take another look at the doctor. Oh, I'd love it. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Hall. Yes, Hazel. That's enough. That's just one look, I said. There's no reason to go mad. <laughs> I don't like to divert this new and charming conversational tangent, but we were talking about the theater. Well, I just thought Mrs. Hall must miss it, that's all. It is my sincere hope that she misses it like a hole in the... Uh, well, like an aperture in the medulla oblongata. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with our sincere regard for the field of dramatic art. It provides meat and drink for the emotional appetite of mankind and affords an opportunity for expression which nothing else in our culture can completely satisfy. <clears throat> the fourth wall of the stage is the fourth dimension of the roaming spirit. Yes, a statement which I must examine closely sometime to see if it makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> Prove that you feel that way, Doctor, by letting us come here. Well, that may be. Mr. Wellman, however, must not be lightly dismissed. If I am to be attacked for my cooperation, I must see that it is not blind cooperation. So, get to work, you people. You have your first audience and no coaching, Vicky. Oh, I wouldn't dare coach Shakespeare. As a friend of mine once said, if I ever tempered with any work of the bard, it would be the shaming of the true. <laughs> Well, don't worry, Mrs. Hall. It isn't Shakespeare. It's me. I wrote it. Hmm. For one who has tampered with the immortal works of Shakespeare, you appear quite unabashed. Have you, um, ever considered pepping up the New Testament in your spare time? <laughs> well, well, it is a pretty complete switch from the original, Dr. Hall. You see, my Julio's in overalls, and, and uh, Romiette has a dustcloth in one hand and her budget book in the other. You see, Doctor? Yes, but it's, a, it's faintly reminiscent of the burlesque bit Mrs. Hall does, entering up her stage left with feather duster and saying... Well, here it is, 12 o'clock, and the master and mistress not yet home from the ball. Oh, I see the robbers have left the piano in the woods. So now's my chance to do my little song and dance. Thank you. <laughs> No, no, it isn't quite that burlesque. It's a, it's a story of the eternal conflict. It's a saga of the tenements. Never give a saga an even break, Barnum. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Doc. It just slipped out. I shouldn't try those with a British accent. Um, what made me think of it was a certain individual who won't give anybody an even break, even a saga. Oh, you're so right, Mrs. Hall. Mr. Wellman expresses great love for the Athenaeum Club generally and absolutely hates this play specifically. He thinks it breaks a tradition. Well, I'm breaking one myself by agreeing with him, but I must say he's right about that. I should like to hear some of it. We don't have enough of the cast to give you very much, unless Mrs. Hall might help us out. Oh, I wouldn't think of it, unless you happen to have a script right with you and are ready to start right now. Here's one, and we are. Uh, let's take it from Act One, Scene Two. Uh, that's you, Jimmy. Oh, you're a very sharp, a smart showman, Roger, giving the author the first chance at his own words. Apple polisher. Uh, oh, it's in free verse. Yes. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> the dreamer dreams in canyons steel and stone where monstrous shapes rush heedless through the hours and night finds no remittment of the day of press and crush and sound and ring of steel. And though the shriek and roar hold highest pitch, the beat of human heart can still be heard by one who listens with his own. And human thought can arrow through the din as if it were sped by keen and savage eye to take a quarry long and lightly stalked. He read it too fast. Study. All right, Mrs. Hall, this is where Romeo comes to the window. Oh, yes, yes. Tis Julio, with ready smile and lips, all ready for a jest or kiss. 
needing a woman who can tell the two apart. For when a man jests with his kiss, a kiss is just a jest, and a true love pauses foot in door until the joke doth end. For sentiment and wit are cousins much too near and cannot wed. And right here, a truck breaks to a fast stop in the street below. There's a screech of brakes. <laughs> well, that's, um, uh, that's my part. I'll do the screech. Screech! Go on, Jim. Well, then... Oh, good. Here's the rest of the cast. And just in time. Your screech was Julio's cue. Uh, I'll go. <laughs> Must be halfway through his first speech. You could have heard that cue for miles. Dr. Hall. Why, Mr. Wellman, do come in. I will not come in. I will simply tell you that while you may feel it your duty to personally sponsor extracurricular activities, I do not. I do not approve of this theatrical project. Not at all. And I believe, believe the board will agree with me. Well, come in, Mr. Wellman. You said that. Well, I know, but uh, we're still outside. Don't bother, Dr. Hall. I know my own way in. <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Hall, I can only stay a minute. I wish to speak to Dr. Hall. Where is he? Where is he? How should I know where he is? Didn't he meet you at the door? Uh, the, the door? <laughs> oh, oh, the door. Yes, of course he did. Oh, oh, excuse me, Mrs. Hall. Of course. Ah, <laughs> oh, Mr. Wellman. <laughs> come in, Dr. Hall, come in. <laughs> Don't just stand there outside. beer on your mind, your best thought is Schlitz, the beer that made Milwaukee famous. More people like the taste of Schlitz than any other beer. That's why Schlitz is the largest selling beer in America. Facts may not be as easy to take as a good glass of beer, but when a fact leads to that very pleasure, it's well worth digesting. Now, this is what we mean. Schlitz beer tastes so good to so many people that it's the largest selling beer in America. That's right. In America, in fact, throughout the world, more people prefer Schlitz than any other brand of beer. Now, perhaps you're wondering whether Schlitz really tastes as good as all that. And of course, the answer is always the same. Try Schlitz for yourself and see. Find out why more and more people are changing to Schlitz every day. What the facts tell you about Schlitz beer, your taste will tell you too. It has to be fine to be first. As we return to the Halls of Ivy, we find Dr. and Mrs. Hall, three of the Athenaeum Club's most prominent players, and Mr. Wellman, all facing each other with a very definite tension in the air. The rehearsal which Mr. Wellman interrupted has come to a complete stop. Would you like to step into my study, Mr. Wellman? I would like to stay right where I am, Dr. Hall. I do not approve of this rehearsal. It's a sacrilege. That's what it is, a parody of Shakespeare. Sacrilege! Well, it's a rather strong term, I think. A dramatic indiscretion, perhaps, a theatrical error, maybe, and quite possibly a literary novelty of some quality. We can't tell until we've heard it. Won't you sit down while our players go on with the rehearsal? We can't go on, Dr. Hall. We're up to Julio's cue now. Julio. <laughs> Dramatic impertinence. Romeo and Julio. Disgusting. What about Julio, Jim? He's not here. Oh. Uh, Mr. Wellman. What is it, Mrs. Hall? Uh, would you mind holding this script for a minute? Why, no. Uh, if you, that is, uh, what script? Well, here you are. It's open to page nine. That's Julio's cue. 
What a shame he isn't here. Personally, I think we may count it among our blessings. Uh, you've heard him read the part, Mr. Wellman? Yes. You didn't like his performance? No, it had none of the classic quality. Of course, with these words... Have you read the play? Certainly not. What an unpleasant idea. Read it. Fuss. <laughs> now, you, you, you've long been a Shakespearean enthusiast, Mr. Wellman. Uh, may I make a suggestion? If you care to. Uh, since Julio did not come up to specification, would it be a good idea if someone else read the part? If there's any part to read and somebody to read it, someone, let us say, with a loud voice and no conscience whatsoever. Well, let's... <laughs> let's find out. How? You are Julio, Mr. Wellman. <laughs> I am a truck. I will now give you your cue. Uh, are you out of your mind, Dr. Hall? Are you trying to embarrass me? I, Clarence Wellman, collector of Shakespeareana, I read this trashy burlesque. Why not? This matter may become of grave importance to the college. The entire town waits for the annual production of Athenaeum. This is the only true path to evaluation. As a member of the Board of Governors, can you close the door on a possible hit? Oh, come on, Mr. Wellman. I'd love to pay Romeo to your Julio. It'll be fun. Well, uh, after all, I'm a member... Uh, uh, this is not exactly why... We, we, you would... Are you playing Julia uh, Romeo? Well, tonight I am. Let's try it. Cue, William. All right, I'm a truck. It screeches to a stop. Screech! Good heavens. <laughs> What's the matter? Well, no, nothing, nothing, Mr. Wellman. It's, it's very realistic, darling. I could almost smell burnt brake lining. <laughs> well, thank you, darling. I rather doubt that there's a very gaudy future for a thespian who specializes in truck screeches, but go ahead. <laughs> Your cue, Julio. Oh. Mr. Wellman? What is it, young man? Well, I guess I'll have to take over the director's job for now. Uh, this is where Julio has just climbed onto the top of his truck, where he stands in overalls speaking to his lady love, who's at her second floor window. You'll have to project a little. Project? He means your voice. Let it ring out. Oh. Ah, uh, <clears throat> uh. Romeoette, framed as you are, that window should be sent across the world to feed the hungry spirits. Of those who starve for beauty, although it would leave for me an aching void through which my love and yearning fancies would whirl an echo through your empty house. So either you come out or I go in and leave the art star real to malnutrition. My hunger for you is here. Theirs is there. And between the there and the here, there's only the here I hear. So there. Why, Mr. Wellman. Remarkable. What do you mean? I, it, it was good? I can truthfully say I never heard anything like it. <laughs> now, are you sure, Mr. Wellman, that you haven't done a great deal of this? Oh, good heavens, I haven't been on the stage in 40 years. And then only, well, a couple of minstrel shows. I, we, uh, uh, but they did say I was a born end man. Yes, I've said that. <laughs> yeah, but, but really, I, uh, 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 did you really think I did it all right? It was remarkable. You see, Victoria, this interest in the Athenaeum Club is far more than academic. That may be, Dr. Hall, but I must ask you a question. This stuff I have just read, this is playwriting? Mr. Wellman, who knows about a play? Do you think Shakespeare knew the first time he ever tried? Do you think Shaw knew? Uh, I take that back. He probably did. <laughs> what were those lovely lines by Thomas Aldrich, darling, you were quoting the other day? Something about, uh, you do poets and their song. Oh, yes. You, you do poets and their song a grievous wrong. 
if your own soul does not bring to their high imagining as much beauty as they sing. Oh, Dr. Hall. Uh, yes, Hazel? Oh, oh, that was just beautiful. Couldn't you be in our play? Well, I, uh, if, if you, if you think, uh, no, 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 you don't. Oh, no, no. No, you found one actor straight from heaven already tonight. No more in sight. Uh, um, Mrs. Hall, uh, did you really uh, like the way I read those lines? Now, Mr. Wellman, I think you were laboring under a severe handicap. Oh, of course, unfamiliarity with the part. No, no, you sounded as though you lived with the part all your life. I meant the acoustics. Now, for your kind of projection, you need a much larger hall. Larger hall? You'd like yourself so much better. <laughs> I was quite satisfied. A larger hall, huh? I, I still don't feel that I've heard enough of this play to judge it. Couldn't we plan a more full rehearsal tomorrow? Why, sure, Doctor. I don't imagine Julio will be well enough to be there, will he, Jimmy? Well enough? Why, he feels his fine. His throat, his throat. I mean, his throat. It's quite bad, isn't it, Jimmy? Oh, 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 his throat. Terrible. Probably have to be operated. It's terrible. The ambulance... Yeah, that's enough. That's enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I thought he'd be too ill to come. Well, I guess that leaves it up to you, Mr. Wellman. Now, where shall we have the rehearsal? The Athenaeum Club, naturally. Where else? Splendid. Well, I I must be going. Uh, uh, Mrs. Hall, uh, uh, do you mind if I uh, uh, take this copy of the script with me? Take it with you? Oh, dear, Mr. Wellman. (laughs) (laughs) I not only want you to take it with you, I want you to read it out loud, over and over. Give it everything. Project. I want you to be, Julio, so just rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. Oh, I shall. Shall, I shall. (laughs) When one has a knack for something, one should be prepared to, uh, uh, well, uh, good night. Good night. Uh, Good night. So either you come out or I go in and leave the earth on Athenaeum, the precious art. A business conference in the interests of art will find other quarters. Now, the only difficulty might be getting your original Julio back in the show. Oh, I think that'll work out. How? Trust me, dear. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Machiavelli, that was a beautiful object lesson in teamwork. <laughs> that Wellman, did you ever see such a ham in your life? <laughs> well, I'm worried. We got him in. How do we get him out? Well, let, let's just wait. My wife seems to have ample confidence in her own powers. Well, there must be something in the training one gets from the theater. Certain ruthlessness, a spirit of survival. Devil take the hindmost. And if by the hindmost you mean Mr. Wellman, the end man, we're offering the devil an engraved invitation. (laughs) Hello, Dr. Hall speaking. Oh, yes, yes, good morning. Oh, I'm extremely sorry to hear that. How unfortunate. And everyone was hoping that... Uh, Yeah, yes, I see. Yes, I shall inform everyone concerned. And and thank you so much for calling. Goodbye. Not Mr. Wellman. Mrs. Wellman. Mm Mm-hmm. Poor man. You know, sometimes that condition hangs on for days and days. What condition? Well, the one Mrs. Wellman told you about. About Mr. Wellman. How his voice is gone and he can't make the rehearsals. Now, you better get the original actor for it. Victoria. (laughs) Yes, darling? 
When you instructed Mr. Wellman to take the script home and read it over and over, loudly, all night, if necessary, you knew... Oh, no, I didn't know. But when someone with an untrained voice shouts all night, it puts quite a strain on the larynx. So I didn't really know. I just hoped. (laughs) Darling, you frighten me. Just giving his vanity a little adjustment. Well, there's a certain amount of ham in everyone, dear. Uh, But that fulsome flattery. Didn't you ever hear of a sugar-cured ham? When there's beer on your mind... Your best thought is Schlitz, the beer that made Milwaukee famous. More people like the taste of Schlitz than any other beer. That's why Schlitz is the largest selling beer in America. Ladies and gentlemen, Ronald Coleman has been named radio chairman for Public Schools Week to be observed from April 23rd to 28th. And here speaking for the California Teachers Association is Dr. Lionel De Silva. Dr. De Silva. Mr. Coleman, the California Teachers Association Southern Section takes pleasure in presenting you with this scroll in recognition of meritorious service to public education and thereby to American youth. Thank you very much, Dr. De Silva and the California Teachers Association. It's a great honor to receive this scroll. I'd like to quote the words of General Eisenhower. The American public school is the principal training ground for informed American citizenship. To neglect our school system could be more disastrous to all our freedoms than the most formidable armed assault on our physical defenses. Words to remember during public schools week, when you are invited to visit the schools and to become better acquainted with the teachers. Your support and interest will mean the best schools for your children. Thank you. Good night. Ladies and gentlemen, on April 4th, the Halls of Ivy program concerned the problems of college boys and the draft. This program has aroused such interest that we've made scripts available to anyone who writes for one. Address, the Halls of Ivy script, NBC, Hollywood. We'll be seeing you next week at the same time at the Halls of Ivy. Tonight's script was written by Faye Ray Riskin and Don Quinn. Ken Carpenter speaking. <laughs>